Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike, and we are in uh, a series titled Free to Live. We're moving through the book of Galatians. This is the fifth of six sermons, and um, I want to start out uh, by reading today's passage. So would you take out your Bible today, whether it's in your your phone or, or paper copy here. If you need a copy of the scriptures, just raise a hand and someone would be glad to, to bring you one. One of our ushers can bring you a, a Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's kind of the unofficial, official translation here at Cornerstone Church. And so if you want to follow along, I'm beginning in, in verse 13. Verse 13. This is chapter 5. Thank you. Chapter 5, verse 13. Paul is uh, writing here to the churches in Galatia, and he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware, you're you're destroying one another. Uh, Verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are, are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, Goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. There's no, no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And so since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And so Paul, he, he comes to a pivotal point in his letter. If you remember from the previous sermons that Paul is... He's writing out of, of, of deep concern for the Galatians who, who are Gentiles. They're non-Jewish people living in what we know as modern-day Turkey. And, and it's a collection of churches, perhaps even, even in home churches, I guess you would. It was very rare in that time that they would actually meet in a building. Okay? They were under persecution, and so for them to have a building was, was, was very rare. And so these are a collection of, of groups of Christians uh, meeting in homes, and, and he, they're spreading this letter around. And the issue at hand is that once they, they accepted uh, Christ, uh, uh, they believed that Jesus was more than a man, they, they, they expressed faith in him, and they became a, a, a child of God, just as we sang. They, they were uh, 
convinced by some false teachers that, that faith in Christ was not enough, that they needed to do more. They needed to work for their salvation. And, and Paul is ready to say, listen, I'm a Jew, and I used to keep the law. And you know what? I'm telling you right now, it, it's, it, it was well-intended, but it's insufficient as far as creating a good relationship with God. Okay, Not even I could, could follow what it, it, Paul's saying. And I was a Pharisee. I was a, an elite religious scholar, essentially. And so, he, so he's writing to correct them. And, and he starts out in these first four chapters primarily dealing with, with one extreme that, that believers often go to, and that's legalism. At one extreme, you have legalistic like people like these Jewish false teachers and, who, who were trying to convince the, uh, the Galatians that, that faith was not enough, that, that you needed to continue following rules in order to maintain this, this good relationship with God. And so that, that was one extreme. And now here in chapter 5, Paul begins, even brief, just briefly, to address the other extreme, and that is license, as if you can live... Uh, uh, continue living sinfully, willfully live sinfully, and yet express faith in Christ. And he's saying, wait a second, don't, don't use your freedom, the freedom that faith in Christ affords, to satisfy your sinful nature. Just because God no longer requires these rules and Jewish customs to be right with him doesn't give you the right to just continue living sinfully, as if you could continue living in idolatry or uh, continue prescribing to the aesthetic ways of the, the world around you. And so he begins to, to address this here in chapter 5. But he's getting to a, a greater point, a bigger point, a point that I, I unfortunately don't hear uh, preached often enough. And that is that salvation is not God's ultimate goal. And you, you'll hear that and you go, wait a sec, that sounds, that sounds really foreign. No, it, it's what I mean by that is that salvation is the beginning of your walk with God, but not the end. It's the beginning of your walk with God, but not the end. The end, the ultimate goal that God has for us as believers that Paul begins to allude to here in chapter 5 is that God wants us to be more like Jesus. That was his goal. Ultimately, the continual development of Christ-like character in our lives. That's what God wants. But salvation is only the beginning. And a lot of Christians who, who prescribe to the, the one at the extreme of license, they stop at salvation. They say, well, yes, I do. I believe that God or that, that Jesus was more than a man, that he was God in a bod, that he came and he died on the cross, rose again. I believe that. But they stop there and they continue living as though they were before they expressed faith in Christ. They never develop Christ-like character in their life. And eventually I find many of these people walking away from their faith. They they never mature. They never grow. They, then they, they fail to realize that God's ultimate goal, goal for them was not just to be saved, not just make it in the door, but to come all the way to his throne. Does that make sense? Okay, and so Paul says, the, the main question that Paul is answering for us today, well, how does the freedom 
that faith affords. Okay? You, you will read here that, that, that Paul says we are, uh, God has saved us through faith to give us freedom. Freedom from the basic spiritual principles of this world, which are asceticism on one hand and idolatry on the other. And also freedom from the law of Moses, though well-intended, it was an insufficient means of behavior management. It was external. It was trying to change us from the outside in, and, and it just didn't work. As you, you, you heard me preach the last few weeks, it, it didn't work. Telling someone to be good or requiring them to, to be good doesn't make them good, right? And so Paul says, listen, there's a better way, and it's from the inside out. God literally puts his spirit in you. He writes his laws on your heart, and you obey him because you want to. You want to because you see the benefit of it. This is the freedom that God gives you. Now walk in it. So how does that freedom that God gives us through faith translate into growth? That's the question that Paul is answering today. And so I want to walk through a few scriptures with you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to study and share in small groups. We'll come back. I'll, I'll wrap it up with you. And then I'm going to give you three next steps that I believe will change your life. So the, the first thing, this is the first thing. In order for the freedom that faith affords to translate into growth, we have to let the Spirit lead us. Look at verse 16. Paul says, So I say... And read this out loud with me, please. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let, read it with me one more time. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now, this, uh, to, this idea of a letting, I, I, that three, little three-letter word, I, I love it because we, we, we read words like that, we just kind of go over, go over them real fast, you know? But we forget that to let something means to allow it to happen. There's a choice implied in there. When you let something, you, you choose to allow this to happen. And so Paul is saying, listen, allow the Holy Spirit to guide your lives. Another translation says, walk in the Spirit. And in the Greek, this literally refers to letting the Spirit regulate your life. Let the Holy Spirit regulate your life. And the first thing that came to to, to, to me, being a kind of a mechanically-minded guy, was the regulation of an engine. Now, in old days, you know, back in the day, older cars were reg regulated by the carburetor, right? The carburetor mixed the right amount of gas and air and then misted it into the combustion chamber and it exploded and turned things, made it go, right? And, and that was a, a great system, but it, it tended to fail when, when you needed... Uh, uh, when the demands of the engine differed at different RPMs. So we switched over to these electronic fuel injectors that mix the air and the gas, right? Now, regardless of whatever system is used, the point is, is that the engine only functions properly when it gets the correct mixture of gas and air. If you give it too little gas and too much air, it might not even start or it will be underpowered, Right? But if you give it too much gas and not enough air, well, then you're flooding the engine and it starts running rough, correct? And so the, the point is, is that to, for an engine to function properly, you need it to be properly regulated. And I believe the same is true in our lives. But instead of injecting our lives with gasoline, the, our, the energy that we need to function properly in our roles and relationships comes from the Spirit, comes from Scriptures. And so the Galatians, they started out in faith, 
And then they started regulating their lives by the law, by a list of do's and don'ts. And, and, and I'm sure that they were getting very frustrated with that because, as Paul said several times, man, nobody can keep this perfectly. This is an insufficient means of regulating your life, especially when compared with the way that the Holy Spirit regulates your life. See, instead of... It's kind of like this. I, I, I talk with my students at times. I give them a little behind-the-scenes look at, at, at what it means to lead. And I tell them, you know, listen, as a parent or as a teacher or even, even as a pastor, you know, I, I can only comp- consciously keep in mind a few rules at a time, right? Some teachers, they have like, it's almost like when you walk into their class, they give you a handbook of, of rules, right? And, and no one can remember all those rules, that you cannot consciously keep them in mind at all times. And so you just, uh, unfortunately and accidentally, break a rule now and again. That's exactly the way it is with the law. And that's the reason why in my class I got like three rules, because I can only keep three in mind <laughs> at a time. I'm, trying, I'm there to teach, right? I'm there to, to do a job, not to, not to enforce rules, all right? And I think that, that the Lord, He looks at us that way. He, you know, he's, you know, omnipotent, omnipotent um, uh, omnipresent, omniscient. He can keep all the rules in mind at all times, but he chooses not to. Now he chooses not to. Why? Because he's a good, good father. He's not standing there, as I preached last week, trying to, ki- well, you, you know, I, I found that in uh, section B, rule number 3.2. Bam! You're done. You're in a timeout. Sit down, you know. That's an infraction. That's a, you know, he's not looking at you that way anymore. And therefore, he doesn't expect you to keep these things in mind. And Paul's saying, listen, God doesn't relate to you that way anymore. He wants to, uh, he wants to regulate your life through the Holy Spirit living within you. And so when you get a little bit off track, Maybe you, you try to t- send, uh, tend to bend a little bit more towards asceticism. You, you know, maybe you don't realize you're thinking that way, but you start to, 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 uh, to go more towards like uh, external regulation and, of, and, and, negle- and denying yourself basically uh, essential uh, f- uh, life functions or th- you know, things that people would consider normal. Sometimes we tend more towards that way. Maybe it's a specific diet or something you think is going to help you, right? Or maybe you start tending towards the other way, the idolatry end, where basically you have no regulations and you start getting off track, right? You start bringing in things to your life that are destroying your most important relationships. And that's when the Holy Spirit, he kind of nudges you like a very good parent does. Hey, come on back. Come on back. You're just getting out of the lines a little bit. Come on back. He keeps you in balance. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you in, in your consciousness? I wouldn't say he is your consciousness. You know, he's not the cricket like Pinocchio, right? He, he's inside of you, but he speaks to you and he says, hey, you know, you, you uh, uh, one, one thing that he's been speaking to, to me, he goes, you know, you, you might need to lighten up a smidge on, on, on your son, you know, you might need to lighten up a little bit on him. You know, and I thought, oh, he helped me see that. Oh, maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on him. Or maybe I'm not being hard enough. You know, he, he speaks to you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He, he guides you. 
He brings you and keeps you in balance when you tend to get off, go off track a little bit. And so in this way, he helps your roles and relationships function properly, just like an electronic fuel injector keeps the, the engine functioning properly, an optimal, optimal amount. And so this is how the Holy Spirit helps us start and maintain good spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical health. Have you ever had the Holy <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit said, put that donut down? Amen. You have, haven't you? <laughs> put that down. You don't need that. That's not good for you. Drive through. Drive past that fast food restaurant. Drive through. No, I'm, I'm te teasing kind of there and kind of not. The Holy Spirit speaks to us on all levels. He's very holistic. He's very holistic in his approach to us because he didn't just create us as a spirit. He gave us a mind and a body as well. And he wants us, you and I, to thrive. He wants to see us established. He wants to see our lives filled with as many good memories as possible and as very few regrets as possible. And so he comes to us and speaks to us. And this is what Paul is saying. This is way better, way better than where, keeping a, a, a rule book in your back pocket at all the time. And so this is the freedom. That, this is uh, how freedom translates into growth when we let the Spirit lead us. And so we're going to keep moving forward with some of these verses. But before we do, I want to have you look at a, a few verses on your own, verses 19 through 23. And so I'm going to have you, uh, uh, in a moment, stand and form groups of just three to five and, and open this passage, if you haven't already, and just quickly read through verses 19 through 23 and answer a couple questions. The first one uh, is, are you surprised by the diversity of things included on this list? Second question in regards to verses 22 through 23 is, will every Christian's life reflect all of these things, especially to the same degree? Okay, why or why not? And then lastly, if you have time, are these the uh, fruits of the Spirit, the only characteristics that exemplify the life of a believer. I'll give you four or five minutes max. Go ahead and stand on your feet. Form a group of three to five. Invite people uh, into your group if, if, if you see people standing alone. Go ahead and get talking. They're going to play a little bit of music while we, while we chat, and then I'll finish up today. Guys, if you could wrap up your conversations here in the next 10 or 15 seconds and head back to your seats, we'll, uh, we'll finish up this morning. Maybe about 10 seconds or so. Go ahead and get back to your seats. Amen. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for participating. I like to do that once in a while. It gets you up, gets your blood moving again, gets you opportunity to participate uh, and chat with other, other believers about something that we're, we're talking about this morning. Um, I like to do that. So many times, you know, you, you know preachers will come and, and, and they'll talk at you for, you know, some longer than others. I try not to be too long, but you know, you can get a lot in 45 minutes and never have an opportunity to respond or converse with another uh, person about it. So I like to do that once in a while. Thank you for participating. So 
we're going to walk through these verses. Um, the very first thing we've learned today is that, that God's ultimate goal is, is not salvation. Yes, yeah, salvation is important. It's necessary. But ultimately, God wants to, to see us develop Christ-like character in our lives. He wants to, us to become more like Jesus. And so the freedom that, that our faith affords translates into growth as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, as we listen to him speaking in our hearts, when he kind of nudges us to the left or to the right to keep us balanced, our role then is to simply respond, right? When he comes and speaks to us and kind of shows us where we're getting a little off balance, our role then is to just simply respond. And as we respond, we're going to see some growth. And we're going to see that our life begins to be marked by certain characteristics, Okay, less and less like some and more and more like others. And so let's take a look at this beginning in verse 17. In verse 17, Paul says that naturally, left to ourselves, naturally our cravings are evil because of our fallen sinful nature. And so after we express faith in Jesus and we believe that he is more than a man, we, we step into God's family, but it, but that doesn't mean that we are instantly like Christ, okay? Instantly, all these old cravings just fall off. We still are in conflict with them. You know, we are in the process of, of uh, deadening those, those old cravings and developing new cravings, deadening those old habits and starting new habits. Simultaneously, we do that. Right? We know that sometimes stopping some of these, these bad habits that Paul kind of goes through it can be, actually be physically painful as we, we go through withdrawals, right? And purging our minds, our bodies, and our spirits of these toxic uh, behaviors is painful, but it's worth it as we begin to benefit, as we can begin to reap the benefits of improved physical, mental, and spiritual health. Now, speaking of cravings, pregnant women have... I'm, 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 don't worry, I'm not going to get in trouble with this, okay? <laughs> Pregnant women have the craziest cravings. One woman said, I, I woke up to get a drink of water in the middle of the night, and I accidentally ate an entire pizza and a cheesecake, <laughs> okay? I, I, I went and looked up, some, I was like, what are the most popular or most common cravings that pregnant women have? And I found this list includes spicy food, ice cream, Chocolate, pickles, red meat, and peanut butter. How many of you women have had any of those cravings? Anything on that list? Yes, some more than others, maybe. Okay. All right. Now, cravings are odd things. You know, cravings are odd things. And fighting off the bad ones are, is hard to do, pregnant or not. Don't you agree? Yeah, when you just get a hankering for something, it's like all you can think about, right? It's like, I just need that. You, you know what I've been craving lately? Frosties, chocolate Frosties. I just, you know, it's like I don't eat ice cream during the week anymore, you know, and yet about Wednesday or Thursday, I start thinking, Saturday's coming. <laughs> and that's the day I'm going to get me a Frosty, you know. I, fitness, fitness is pretty important to me. So I, you know, during the week, I'm like really on it. And, I, you know, and I, my nutrition is really well. But then about Wednesday, Thursday, I'm like, oh, 
can't wait for Saturday to come because that's the day when I go get a Frosty and a cheeseburger and kind of, you know, relax this a little bit. I did that yesterday, in fact. Um, how many of you know what I'm talking about in regards to cravings? Oh, man. You know, in verses 19 through 21, Paul explicitly states what we often forget. You know, when our, the, the old and the new cravings are warring within us, we often forget that we reap what we sow. We, there are always consequences for our choices. And so if we let the desires of the fallen sinful nature regulate our lives or get a, get a hold in our lives, then we start developing these, these toxic behaviors. Look at this list again. He says, these things are, uh, if you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, he says at the end of verse 21 that the presence of these toxic, sinful, selfish behaviors are so contrary to God's character that if we consistently give them a place in our lives, then we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We will not experience his presence, his influence in our lives, and nor will we inherit the internal future that he has for us. Now, I, I want to take a moment to clarify something. The phrase translated as living this sort of life means to repeatedly and habitually perform something. Repeatedly and habitually perform something. It, what it, it refers to is a person who is busy with these things, like on purpose. It speaks of a person who is unrepentive, or it goes so far as just like, I don't really see anything wrong with this list, essentially, is what he's saying. I don't, this, a person who doesn't see anything wrong with these behaviors is not someone who is living, a, has a repentant attitude. They're not someone who, who is allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead them into anything on this list. And so if somebody is unrepentantly and willingly, consistently busying themselves with these things, Paul is saying that shows us, shows me, shows them that they lack the presence of the Spirit of God in them and therefore a lack of saving faith in Jesus. No matter what they profess, no matter how many bumper stickers they have, if the fruit of their life is such this means that they, do, they are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. This is way different than someone who, who has faith in Christ and, and is struggling with something like this. Someone who's repentant. Have you ever had something in your life, a struggle, maybe even something on this list, and you've gone back to the Lord like a hundred times or more and said, man, Lord, I am so sorry. I just need your help. This is different. Do you see the difference there? There is an attitude. There is a, I fall down, I get back up, and I continue to move towards God versus I'm really walking away from the Lord. I, I'm, I don't even, it's not even about falling down or getting up. It's, I, I don't even care, Right? There's a difference in the attitude there. And you know, a lot of denominations, a lot of pastors, and, and you've heard me talk here and there about this, you know, kind of the extremes. You have uh, on one extreme, 
congregations, pastors, denominations that feel like our salvation is so fragile that you literally, you can't even get in your car before you get, you have to get saved every Sunday, right? You have to come up. It's like, that's, that's ridiculous, right? The other side of it is the license end of it, where I can, you know, I profess faith, now I can live however I want. I'm, I'm like always saved, no matter what. Even if I deny Christ, I, God's going to drag me kicking and screaming to heaven, essentially, <laughs> right? That's that side. And, and I don't personally prescribe, and I don't believe we as a congregation just prescribe to either end. I am more probably on this end, probably right around 75% of it. Uh, as far as how I, I, I view things in Scripture. So, but Paul is telling us here that, that listen, struggling, you, you know, that's way different than, than willfully and unrepentantly walking into these things. So keep those things in mind. I, I, I think it's important that we, we clarify, clarify that. Now, in, look at verse 24. Paul says, he adds to this by saying that those who belong to Christ, those who have expressed saving faith in Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. Now, this is a figure of speech. And, and uh, the, Christianity is filled with figures of speech. We sang some of them this morning. And, you know, uh, and we read of it here. In this figure of speech, it, 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 what it's referring to is the fact that we are deadening these old behaviors, these old cravings, and at the same time, we are starting new cravings. What it's referring to is a person who's in process, a person who's in the process of stopping these bad habits and starting new habits at the same time. What it literally means in very practical terms is that you are less frequently making these sinful choices and more frequently making spirit-led choices. That's literally what it means. When you lay out all the choices you make each week, more, a greater and increasing percentage of them are going to be spirit-led as you continue to move towards Christ. And so, remember, this is what God's goal is. Ideally, which, you know, we have to kind of uh, uh, I would say none of us are ever going to reach this ideal. Even Paul himself says, I have yet to obtain this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me, right? Ideally, 100% of our choices would be spirit-led. 100% of the time, we would, we would be like Christ, right? But none of us are there. None of us will ever be there on this side of heaven, but with an increasing amount, as we develop, as we allow the Spirit to lead us, an increasing amount of our decisions will be Spirit-led, and they will result in the increase of our spiritual, mental, and physical health. And so this is what Paul is saying here. He continues into verses 22 and through 23, and he says, listen, as the Spirit leads us, your life will be marked by certain characteristics. People will be able to look at you. You will be able to look at you and you will see more and more of these things in your life. You will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You will see these things to an ever-increasing degree taking hold in your life. And he says, and I love this, 
There's no laws against behavior like this. There's no laws against this. Why? Because even sinful and selfish people like to interact with people who are loving, joyful, peaceful, etc. Right? But there are laws in our society against the things listed in verses 19 through 21. We have laws against that. Even simple and selfish people write laws against those things because they know that even though there's a momentary uh, 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 pleasure or something associated with these behaviors, in the end, they lead to destructive uh, uh, negative consequences. And so we do. We have laws against things like this. But Paul is saying, listen, there's no laws against acting like this, right? I mean... Think about the opposite. I mean, how many of you would like to interact with hateful, worrisome, fearful, impatient, rude, rotten, untrustworthy, harsh people who lack restraint? You know, not even sinners like to interact with people like that. Why? Because you can't build any sort of relationship with them. You can't trust them. You can barely carry a conversation with people like that, you know, let alone have a, a... a productive marriage or business relationship. We don't even want to be neighbors with people like this, right? And, and so Paul is saying, listen, there's no rules. There's no laws against letting the, 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 the spirit develop these types of characteristics in your life. And so in summary, Paul is teaching us here in Galatians 5 that we need, if we want to translate the freedom that faith affords into growth, to move simply beyond just being saved, coming into God's family and actually developing Christ-like character, then we need to let the Spirit lead us. And as we respond to His leading, we are going to start developing less and less of these negative characteristics and more and more of those positive characteristics that He lists there at the end. So, how does this sermon apply to you? This is where I, I, I wrap up. And I'm going to give you three, three things to keep in mind. Three things to keep in mind. We find the answer to this. This personal application is found in the very last statement of chapter 5. Look at that again with me. Paul says, Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You know, when I first read that verse, I thought, boy, this verse seems kind of out of place. I mean, like, where is he going with this? It seems like he just kind of pushed that in there. And yet, understanding how this verse, this statement, fits in to the greater conversation that he's having with the Galatians, and by extension, you today, understands or begins with uh, answering these questions. When or why would you become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of someone else? When or why would you do that? And I think the answer lies with com- in com- uh, comparing yourself with others. You know, remember I said that we are in process, some of us uh, uh, more than others, right? And, and when we come into God's family, when we make Jesus the leaders, leader of our life and we start walking forward and, and, and we begin deadening these old behaviors and developing these new ones uh, and, and we start growing in Christ-like character, we don't all grow at the same rate, okay? My pace is not your pace. And so if you look around at someone 
and, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm a lot more loving than they are. Or I'm a lot more patient than they are. And, and, and you, maybe that just, you just caught on to that quicker than someone else. You, pr- you will naturally become conceited in that way. And you will provoke other people by saying stuff, why can't you just get it? It's so easy. You know, why, why can't you just grow in that? Man, I wish you were more patient like me, you know, <laughs> right? You, we say stuff like that. And if we don't say it, our attitude projects it to people. And, and they, they, we start to drive them crazy. On the other side of it, the jealous side, maybe someone else is, is kinder. And man, you're really working hard at being kind and you just can't get it. People are just so dumb, you know? And you're just like, I can't have a hard time with this, you know? And, but, and you get kind of jealous of them. And, and you start to get angry with them when they're kind or, or whatever you happen to be struggling with because it reminds you of how you need to grow in that way. And so you start provoking them uh, uh, to anger. You start having a conflict with them. And so Paul is saying, first and foremost, stop comparing yourself to others and start comparing yourself to scriptures. The scriptures are objective. Others are not, okay? Others are all over the place. It would, they're, they're in process just like you are. But if you compare yourself to others, you're going to fall into one of those two extremes and conflict will ensue. But if you compare yourself to scriptures, scriptures are unchanging, and you look at this list and you say, man, boy, I need this, I need, Lord, I need help with the outbursts of anger or selfish ambition. I need help with this, this. And, and you see right there, black and white, a, a list of things you need to stop. And at the same time, man, Lord, I just need patience. You see in this, this short list things that you can grow in. And he's essentially saying, take care of you and let God take care of others. Okay? Your race, your pace is yours, not someone else. I learned this. Um, I had this realization a few years back when I ran a marathon you know, I, I started out, we all start out on this big line and, you know, we kind of line up and we get going and, and you know, I, I thought, man, I got to run 26.2 miles. I'm going to pick my pace. I, I'm just going to go. But I started and, you know, three, four miles in, I got people passing me and I'm like, man, maybe I'm slow. You know, what's going on? Maybe I didn't train enough. And I started to get a little discouraged until I got to about mile six or seven and all of the sprinters are on the side like this, you know, dying. The second realization I had is when I got to the halfway point and a whole bunch of people, in fact, most of the people started turning left. You know why? Because they were running the half marathon. I had twice as far to go. All of a sudden, I wasn't so discouraged. And I realized, wait a second, they weren't even in my race. No wonder their pace was faster. You know, I got twice as far to go. And so the same is true for you and I. In our, we, as Christians, we all have the same goal. You know, we're, we want to see the Lord. We want to enjoy the benefits of, of heaven. We all want to become more like Jesus. But the, how, the pace at which we get there, the rate at which we get there, is going to look different for each one of us. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit, as he leads us, he might be speaking to you about kindness today and me about self-control. He might be speaking to you about goodness and, and me about gentleness, right? 
And we need to just leave it there. Let him speak to you. Everyone else around you, you know, some of you tend to be, you try to take the Holy Spirit's role upon yourself, and you try to tell others, boy, you need to be uh, kinder, you need to be more gentle. Why don't you let the Holy Spirit do his job, and you take care of you, right? I mean, I can receive that today. I can receive that. That's a hard thing to, to hear, but that's, that's, uh, that's my job. I need to say the hard things sometimes. Here's the second step. First step Stop comparing yourself to others. The second step is this. I want you to focus on the do's more than the don'ts. You know, Paul gave you, gave you a little list here. He gave you a list of don'ts and he gives you a list of do's. But I want you to focus on the do's, okay? I heard someone say it this way. Someone once said that as a nail is driven out by another nail, so too one habit drives out another. You know, if you... Leave here today thinking, okay, I got to stop lustful pleasures, stop lustful pleasures, stop lustful pleasures, and that's all you think about, and you focus on the don'ts. Guess what you're going to do? The don'ts, right? If you put your time and your energy on stopping, you will never stop. Instead, Paul is encouraging the Galatians and you today to focus on the do's, If you focus on developing, letting the Holy Spirit develop love and joy and peace, et cetera, in your life, and you invest time and energy and resources in those things, there won't be any room in your life. There won't be any time or energy or resources left over for the things on the don't list. Does that make sense? A lot of people, they think I got to stop before I can start. No, you got to start And then those other things will just naturally start stopping. They will start stopping. So focus on the do's way more than the don'ts. The last thing is this. Here's your last next step. You're not the only one in process. I want you to remember, you are not the only one in process. Yeah, your pace is your pace. But you're not the only one struggling with some things on this list. Everybody is. Everybody's in process. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but it's common to man. Common. Like these temptations, the struggle with these things, everybody goes through them. So don't sit there and act like you don't got any struggles. I won't stand here and act like I'm never tempted or never struggle with anything. We're, I can tell you right now, there's two types of churches, and we're going to be neither of them, okay? There's churches where it's all grace. I mean, anything goes. Everybody's welcome, no matter what. No repentance. No, no, what is sin? Nothing. Just come. God's grace, you know, it's all that side, right? Grace is important. Truth on the other side. You have the other churches where truth is everything, And people walk around all uptight. And if you make any sort of mistake, they hit you with the truth hammer, right? There's no grace, no love, no no forgiveness, no honesty, no vulnerability. We're not going to either extreme. I read uh, that Jesus came. John says Jesus came and revealed God's grace and truth, equal measures of both. He gave the truth and he had grace at the same time. And so 
we will, I will stand here so long as I'm the pastor, and I'm telling you, we're going to put the truth out there. We're going to be honest about what Scripture says, but at the same time, we're not going to pretend like anybody, nobody's struggling, nobody's having issues. We're going to extend grace to one another. We're going to help each other back up and say, you know, I've been there, you know. We're not making excuses for each other, but we're going to help each other move forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the type of church. And you know what? You know why people tend to either end? Because that type of church is messy. That type of church is kind of subjective. That's kind of hard to do. It's impossible to be fair or consistent in something like that. But if you look through scriptures, I don't see, a, I don't see Jesus being fair all the time. I don't see him healing every blind person. You remember the, the guy at the pool of Bethsaida? He's laying there waiting for the waters to be troubled. He probably walked through a crowd of 100, 200 people just like that guy. Walked up to him, do you want to be healed? Whispered to one guy. How's that fair? I don't see him being terribly fair all the time. Right? And so... Guys, we have to get used to that. And, and so I'm just saying today, listen, we are go not going to be a church of pretenders, a church that pretends like everything's, oh, we're just none of us struggle. None of us ever have anything going on, right? Nope, we're not going to do that. We are spirit-led. We are growing. We are in process. You are in process. I am in process. We are continually developing Christian character. And if we ever get to a point where we think we have arrived, may the Lord knock us down. If the Apostle Paul says, I I'm not there yet, but I press on, how much more should our attitude be that way as well? I press on. I'm not there. I make no mistakes sometimes. I do things, I say things, think things I should not say, think or do. But, doggone it, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep moving towards the goal that God has for me. Salvation is only the beginning. I am going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. I want to be more like Jesus. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? How many of you want to have more of his, these characteristics in your life? We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.